This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Mike Sussman, writer and producer of Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise podcast. I am one of your hosts for this podcast, Brandy Jackola, and with me, as always, is my good friend Patrick. Patrick Devlin, how are you today? I'm great. How are you today? I'm hot and sweaty. Uh, well, yeah, that too. It's brutal here in New York. It's It was 92 with a humidity of 65. Uh... Yep. Yeah, it was 95 here, but it was a dry heat. But we're going to get up to 101 later in the week, so... We had a heat index of 111 Sunday. <sighs> and that, again, you know, 49% humidity is what made it 111, so... Oh, so nice. Yay. Not... Uh, you know, all of those people who say, but it's a dry heat, that means something, folks. It really does. It really, really does. Just go to New York in the summer and you'll understand. Yeah, exactly. Or Florida, or Arkansas, or Louisiana, or... Okay, or I'll the stop there. coastal <laughs> Texas. Yeah, coastal Texas. Yep. Humidity. Ugh. So, anyway. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about some things and some stuff. But first of all, do we have any comments from our last released episode on the Babel Conference, Patrick? We do. So our last episode was... Uh... Warp 5, number 153. It was uh, entitled Pew Pew, which is cool. I like that name. I love it. We talked about the Makos, and we came up with a story for how they came to be part of Starfleet. We had a little bit of a disagreement on whether that even actually happened. And it turns out we were all wrong anyway, as our listeners have pointed out. So Chris Hill says, another excellent episode. I really enjoyed it. However, I would like to point out that in Beyond, they say the Makos were integrated into Starfleet. This happens before the Kelvin was destroyed. So it, do, uh, so it does fit into the continuity. So if we were to believe beyond, our whole episode doesn't need to exist. Or that, is, that is not true. Because did they tell the story of how the Makos were integrated into Starfleet in Star Trek Beyond? No, they did not. That story hasn't been told, has it? No, but they said it was during the Romulan War. During the Romulan War? Don't care. Yeah, so We had, we had Romulans in our episode. Well, it could have been the beginning of the Romulan that's War. That's true. All right, well, now Still it is. Fits. Okay, we have more. We have more people. Uh, there was a little back and forth with Chris on that. And then 
Christopher Baca says, It seems the Starfleet medical and personnel did a bad job when moving former Makos into new positions since it seems they missed a few cases of PTSD. I would assume a lot of Makos would just move into the security detachment that is on uh, that is on most starships. The higher-ranked officers were probably slotted into command slots like we saw in Star Trek Beyond. Likely assumption. Yeah. Mm, believable. Yeah, if, if Major Hayes had made it, he might have been captain of a starship. Now, Janet Lee wrote this, and I think this is supposed to be for another episode. But it says, in home, here's the key line. Tucker, I told the captain I wanted to stay aboard and supervise the refit, but he suggested I take a break. More like an old, more like an order, actually. Problem is, I'm not sure where to go. Lizzie's gone. My hometown doesn't exist anymore. Guess this is my home now. Many people, myself included, took that to mean he didn't go home. If he's not sure where to go, so, uh, something must have happened between Tripp and his parents. But a more optimistic reading would have his parents living in temp housing, so they're, they're in no shape to take guests. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I I understand, obviously, that he didn't. I mean, it's very clear there that he didn't visit his parents. But the reason why is not 100% clear. It could have been because Tripp might have felt like he didn't want to deal with their grief as well as his own. Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't really know. There's a million reasons why. She she goes on to say that they, they mentioned that his parents moved to Mississippi at some point. So... They're obviously alive, right? I mean, yeah. But who knows? Uh, there could be a million reasons why he couldn't go see them. Maybe they were off-world. Maybe they were. Maybe they were somewhere else, and yeah. yeah. And that's fine. You know, I it's I I would probably go the more optimistic route because I don't. You know, nothing in anything that Trip has said throughout the series has made it sound like he's estranged from his parents. So I I'm willing to be on the optimistic side and say. There was some other reason preventing him rather than a disagreement between them. Yeah, it's just possible he couldn't see them at the time. I mean, yeah. people deal with grief in different ways, so. Mm-hmm. And he sure doesn't deal with it very well during season three. No, not at all. And it could just yeah. be that that's the point they're trying to drive home. Yes. That, home. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. Um, but, and seriously, they, if they if he just goes home to his parents, they don't really get to make that point so profound that his town is gone his sister is gone yeah so yeah and and i'm fine with that yeah me too so that's all we have from babel for today okie dokie and we do have a new itunes review actually it did happen before the last episode and i somehow missed it and i am so very sorry this is from six mile Thank you, Six Mile. It's a five-star review. Thank you very much. And it says, I listened to Warp 5 while working. I enjoy these three different points of view. Brandy's laugh is awesome. Thank you. It's obnoxious. (laughs) Love the accents of Patrick and Brandon. This show encourages random rewatches via Netflix. Awesome. That's great. We're we're always glad to make people want to watch more uh, Enterprise, so. Yeah, because it's it's still so very underrated and it needs more exposure, in my opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as we get farther away, it actually becomes more important, I think. But that's just me. I agree. When you start to look around at what's happening now and then go back and watch some of these episodes, you're like, oh, yep, just they they were calling that one. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. They, it's, it's almost like almost every other episode, they're standing in the box and pointing to center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're hitting them. All right, so why don't we tell our, uh, our listeners what we're going to do today. All right, this week we are going to be talking about our favorite moments of one Hoshi Sato. She's probably one of the most underdeveloped characters in the main cast. And I think that she should have gotten more to do. But I still found five moments that I really love about Hoshi. Um, so we're each going to do, uh, we're going to alternate back and forth of our favorite Hoshi moments. Neither of us know what the other has chosen. And uh, so, Patrick, do you want to start with your first favorite Hoshi moment from season one? Okay, so my favorite well, no, this is my number five, so I'm working backwards. <laughs> okay. So I, I, I went the... chronologically. Or... Oh, no, I did it. Okay, we can do it that way, too. Fine. I, I don't care. I don't Either care. way, my number five is the first one we see, so it's okay. Okay. When Archer visits her in uh, Broken Bow to get her to come on to the Enterprise. I love that scene. I love that, you know, she's at the school and all that, and her, like, somewhat reluctance, but him telling her, you know, I need you, blah, 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 and her finally, con- him finally convincing her, but... It's obvious she doesn't want to be in space, even though she's in Starfleet. Yeah, why would you be in Starfleet and not want to be in space? Because well, some people are weird, and she's weird. And that's okay, I'm fine with that, because at least that's something about her character we learn quickly. <laughs> yeah, but I like her weird as well. I, I very much like Hoshi. Uh, so, well, there, there we go. I did not have that moment. My first moment that I put down was from episode three, Fight or Flight. And there, there are several moments in this episode, actually. So I'm counting it as one great big moment, which is uh, Hoshi interacting with this slug she picked up on another planet that has been named Sluggo. And uh, despite... Very original. Very original. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she didn't actually name it, and somebody else just started calling it Sluggo, probably Trip. Uh, and uh, she has assigned female gender to it, even though Dr. Flock says it may not be female or it may even not have gender. But this this slug is basically her conduit to express what she's feeling about being on Enterprise at this time. And she says about Sluggo, she wasn't meant to be in this environment. And that's what Hoshi is feeling. And she keeps talking about this, how Sluggo doesn't belong there. Sluggo needs to do this. Sluggo needs to do that. And, and uh, you know, Phlox is saying, well, let's feed her to this bat. <laughs> and she's like, no, we need to find a place for her. He says, yes, we'll find another planet for her. Maybe somewhere she can teach. Because <laughs> He was saying that if she wasn't happy there, maybe she could go teach. So he already, he has already picked up on that whole metaphor. But the, the, the best part is the final moment where they find a new planet that is suitable to Sluggo's previous planet. And she puts it out and she says, it's not that hard to adapt. You're going to do just fine here. And so she's finally deciding she can adapt to these new th- challenges that are happening. And so that's a bit of a turning point for her. Right, yeah, I didn't have that, so that's a, that's a pretty good one. So we're two, we're we're two for two or zero oh for two. However you want to look at it. No, well, the the point is to not have the same ones, I guess. So yeah, so then two variety. for two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. So my second one is uh, from the episode Civilization, 
her ability to speak Vulcan is how she communicates with T'Pol when they all become paranoid from the the planet life causing a bad reaction in them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I like the fact that we see her, this is like a strong role for her because she's still able to talk and figure things out. It's not just the typical, like later on in the seasons, it feels like she gets less and less of a role. She actually has more of a role early on yeah. than later. And this is one of those better scenes where we actually see her using her brain and her intelligence to solve a problem or at least move along a problem to get solved. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. That's a great moment. Uh, my second moment is also from Civilization, but a different moment. Awesome. It's when they first get to the planet and she is listening to all of the transmissions on the planet and all of the conversations of people talking. And her face is just completely full of joy and delight at listening to all these different languages. It's like dream come true for her. She's like a kid in a candy shop. Give it all to me. And I want to sit down and study this. Which answers our other question. Why would you want to be part of Starfleet if you're afraid of space? Yeah. Because the risk-reward, right? Exactly. She risks doing something she really fears, but for the reward of finding this moment in time. Yes, and she would have never had that moment had she stayed on Earth. Nope. So she she's enjoying it for all that it's worth. And I also really love uh, the makeup on her when, they, when they're going down to the planet. I think she had the best makeup job with her ridges and her hair was done a different way and she she looked like she fit in very well so but uh yeah i i really love just seeing her so delighted to be doing what she was basically born to do i mean she just has such a talent for language that it's she's unique she's very unique so now we're two for two on now that as well so four for, four four yep. for four yep about a thousand so why don't you give your next one first and then we'll flip it up this time. <laughs> okay. All right. My third uh, moment, and this, again, I'm going in chronological order, comes from the episode Dear Doctor, where she and uh, Dr. Phlox are in the mess hall eating, and she is conversing with him in Denobulin so that she can get a better feel for uh, all of his language, the slang that they use, and the accent, etc. And uh, so it's subtitled, of course, so that we can understand. But it's one of the very few times that we get to hear the the Denobulin language. And she is having the best time. And she's teasing him in Denobulin. But every once in a while, she gets a word wrong. And, <laughs> and that's just as hilarious uh, in the subtitles. And uh, she, yeah, she's she's teasing him about Ensign Cutler and... Uh, her apparent Ensign Cutler's apparent interest in blocks. And it was, I just really enjoy that scene because she's having such a great time again, doing what she was born to do. So, okay. And we swing and miss finally, because I had this one on my list. Oh, that's such a great moment. But that's why it's on the list. I mean, (laughs) so, so it makes sense that there'll be some overlap, but I, I did, I did enjoy this, this scene or this moment for her because it is, it is one of those times where you're like, wow, I can really see a future here. You know, I mean, I know they have a universal translator, but you just kind of hope it breaks a lot. You would also hope that they used her more for distinguishing their customs, which was part of her job that they don't really use too much for some ungodly reason. Yeah. But um, that does that does actually come up later in my list. But anyway, I, I did, for basically all the same reasons you did, I really enjoyed these 
these uh this scene and and the little the banter between her and Flocks and and everyone knows Flocks is one of my favorite characters too and so to have mm-hmm. Flocks in this scene makes it even better. So absolutely. And uh, Phlox is, if, I ha- if I'm pressed to choose who my favorite main cast character is, it's Phlox. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't like any of the other characters. I do. I love them all. They each have things to contribute. And I like to sing out about Hoshi because I feel that she just doesn't get enough love. No, she doesn't. And I think as the season goes on, they, they reduce her role and they kind of just reduce her role. They don't just reduce her translating role. Her whole character kind of gets reduced, which is which is unfair because, as you'll see when we get to other seasons, there are parts where I think she did a phenomenal job, even though the episode was awful. Yeah, and the thing is, is that it does make communication more difficult because that's that's the thing is Hoshi's magic language skills would get them out of a lot of jams, and I think that the one big hurdle is the Kratasans because. The way you say it is as important as what you say, if I remember correctly. Okay, <laughs> if I'm so, wrong, I'm sure someone will point that out. Uh, okay, tell your next one, then I'll tell mine, and maybe we can answer that question. Okay. So, uh, actually, my next one is from Sleeping Dogs. And I love her in this episode because she volunteers to go on an away mission before she, even being told that she's already been assigned to it. And this is, of course, the episode where that Klingon ship is slowly being crushed to death in that uh, atmosphere, trapped in that atmosphere of that weird gas planet, etc. Anyway, uh, she she straight up goes to Archer and she says, you need me on this away mission. I know I'm not usually the first one to volunteer, but who can read Klingon? None of you can read Klingon and the Universal Translator won't help you with that. So you need me on that ship. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we do need you on that ship. And T'Pol already asked for you. So, <laughs> and so she's just like, oh. But it's it's not just that. It's She does have um, some fear reactions while being trapped on the ship because they do end up getting trapped there because of the actions of uh, a Klingon crew member that they didn't know was conscious stealing their shuttle. And she she... The level of freakout she has is very mild compared to what has happened in the past. And so even though she's freaking out, she knows she's freaking out, and she is dealing with it in a better way than she ever has before. And even when T'Pol does her little thing where she helps her, you know, picture herself on a stormy sea and being tossed about and now the waves, you know, you're in control of the waves, etc. She She was still way more in control than she'd ever been in past episodes when she had a bit of a freak out. She didn't cry. She she didn't scream. She she was just really a lot more together and it showed progression for her. Alright, so I, I had Sleeping Dogs on my list as well, but not quite the same scene from uh, Sleeping Dogs. Right. I did enjoy that, don't get me wrong. Like it shows it shows actual growth in a character, which is great, especially in a first season. It's not easy to find growth in such a short time. Because sometimes you can just write it off as, eh, they kind of just changed the character. Or, wait, we took a different reaction on that one, but this is really who the person is. But this one, it was obvious from the very beginning. She hates space and all these other things. And now, you know, she freaked out earlier in the season, and now she's changing great. The part I liked is that she came up with the idea to fire the ship's weapons to move it to a higher orbit. 
it was her idea. No one else came up with this ingenious idea. It seemed so obvious once she said it, right? But <laughs> but nobody could come up with it. It cooked the communications officer to be like, guys, yo, <laughs> shoot mm. the weapons. If you shoot the weapons down, we go up. You know, like, so, and I think that's great because, again, it's giving her a role that she can do later on when they want to use the Universal Translator more and talk, quote-unquote, talk less. Yeah, that is a great moment. Well done, you. Well done, you. All right, so I guess we'll go back to me first for the last one. I suppose we will. All right. So my last one comes from Voxola, and I love, it's it's six seconds into the episode, but right after we come out of the credits, T'Pol basically blames her for the problems of what happened. Well, you first you see her trying to read the language, and she's like, well, if you emphasize the beginning of this word, it means mate. But if you don't, it means hungry. And she talks about how confusing their language is. This is what we were talking about a minute ago. And it's not just the word. It's the where you, what um, syllable you actually accent. accent that matters as to what that word means. And it's the most confusing language she's ever seen. And Paul kind of blames her, you know, and she stands right up to her. And this is a trend, actually, we see from here moving forward that, Hoshi's going to stand up for herself against everybody. Maybe in a respectful way, but she's going to stand up, and I love that in her character. Um, because as we see as we move through the series, she stands up for herself more and more, and if what we know of um, Mirror Universe now, we know that you're a lot like your Mirror counterpart, and spoiler alert, she's the Emperor over, the, over there. So, you know, I would have liked to have seen more of that Hoshi used throughout the series, but I do love the scenes we get with it. And this is one of the first ones where she really stands up and she really gives the Paul attitude. And the Paul's like, well, for all we know, it was the way trip, uh, you know, Tucker ate. And she's like, yeah, but if I would have known their customs faster, then we wouldn't have had that problem. Right. And to Paul's kind of just like, oh, I don't want to get into this right now. I'm going to look away and say something else. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. She kind of shunned to Paul. I mean, I know it was a little easier at the time because the Paul's not technically Starfleet then. But she yeah. still was a, her commanding officer in terms of the way their breakdown went on the bridge. Oh, and yeah. she stood up for herself and she said, this isn't my fault. Look how ridiculous this language is. I can't help it if they're that easily offended. Yeah. And besides, what she does is not easy. And name anyone else you've ever seen in Star Trek who can do it. No, it's, they are a Rosetta Stone. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah. So, yeah, it's and the um, the speed at which she can pick up a language is unreal. Yes. It, and so and she when even, anyone criticizes her, I just want to go like, OK, let's see you do it. Yeah. No, look, I understand. I understand criticism. Right. I do yeah. understand some part of that. I don't yeah. agree that it's always fair. I don't think that T'Pol even meant it the way Hoshi took it. She's too yeah. logical for that, in my opinion. But. But the fact that she wouldn't just be like, okay, was great. It was yes. it was absolutely awesome. Like I was just like, oh, we're going to do this right now. This is awesome. And it hooked me for the rest of the episode anyway because now I want to see if she punched her. I'm Mr. <laughs> Violence. That's right. But but I loved the scene. I just loved her tenacity in the scene. And she acted it so well that it was so believable. Even though an episode later she's freaking out. Well, and I wouldn't exactly call it a freak out per se. But yeah, it's she's finding her place in that crew. And she's finally realized she is really indispensable. Because she can do things that no one else on that ship, no one else in Starfleet can do, period. Right. 
Absolutely. And if the universal translator goes down, they're boned. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Right without her. And she makes up advancements to the universal translator time and time again throughout the series, you know, which is to her negative, but it's to her detriment because it, it cuts her out of a lot of scenes because that thing starts working so well. Yeah, it does. But like you said, it's not just about language. It's about figuring out customs as well. And they could have brought that back in. They didn't. They could have. There were things to explore there, especially every time they got to a new race, you know? Well, look, we, we find out later she can crack, crack codes, too, because she's a linguist, which kind of makes sense. Well, that's the thing, though. She said that she couldn't crack codes, and they made her do it anyway. So, But she went about it with language, and that right. actually and, was and the lingu- it was a lingual code, so it worked out. You know, but we could have seen that time and time again. We could have found, you know, they just, they would have been, wait, Universal Translator is great for spoken word. Why haven't we didn't see more people on ships looking, Hoshi, what does that say? You know, mm-hmm. like, it just would have made more sense to me. It would have been better. At, well, I, I mean, I guess they got to figure out how they're going to split their time among characters, and she didn't take a priority, but I think she should have. Yeah, she her boobs weren't big enough, I guess. So, so maybe, but but if you watch in Amir, in Amir Darkly, she definitely could have been the one that they used as the pretty one. Mm. You know, she's not unattractive. It's not like no, she's not. Like she's it wasn't not. like Tapal had to be the sexy one, or we had no sexy one on this show. Like, yes, heaven forbid, we just have women that are on the show. Well, that aren't there she, because of their boobs? Or well, she wasn't faces. there for her boobs this time. I mean, hey, look, Paul was. Yes, yeah, she was. Paul was there. But but the thing is, is that the fact of why Jolene Blaylock was chosen as to Paul, yes, it probably had something to do with her physical appearance. But she was she owned that role, and uh, Linda Park owned Hoshi Sato. And they could have just done so much more. They could have done so much more. And it's just wasted opportunities. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying. And I, I think they did. I think everyone did a great job. So it's hard. That's the one thing that's hard about this. Because I do want to see Hoshi have more of a role. We do see T'Pol get a lot mm-hmm. of, of airtime and a lot of character development. And a lot of things happen to her that aren't revolving around her looks. So right. that's good. Um, we don't get a lot revolving around Hoshi's looks. But we don't get a lot of Hoshi. The problem is, is I can't figure out who I want to cut out to give her that time. Well, and that's the thing. I feel like they shouldn't have had to cut out anything. They should have, uh, should have, could have, would have. It's not, it's so easy for me to say, you know, looking back at it instead of being the one there at the time. So it's, I know that it's easy for me to say, but you can write an ensemble cast and give everyone the time that they need. It has been done time and time again. And why they couldn't find a way to do that with Enterprise no. for Hoshi. No, I, I agree. If I was there, it might be different. But I'm saying now, looking at it now, I wouldn't know what episodes to change to put her back in. But that's the thing. If they had been thinking about giving her more to do, we might not have even had the same episodes that we have. So being putting in some retroactive continuity might actually have changed the course of some of the series. Right, right, absolutely. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So so that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Is that yeah, I know that it's it's not something that they did and they couldn't have done it the way that the, they structured the rest of the series, but they could have worked yeah, right. her in. 
They could have. Yeah, no, I agree. They so, didn't. What, all right, so what's your last one? And then we can, <laughs> then we can go then off. Then we can about, argue some more. Yeah, what what we think should have been done with Hoshi. <laughs> uh okay so my final one this is this is gonna make you laugh um two days and two nights uh because hoshi my favorite thing is hoshi sitting in the restaurant and sipping her tea or whatever it is and then she starts a conversation with two of the natives from risa and they're so shocked to realize that she's only just barely started studying and speaking their language and the the woman of the pair says oh you have hardly any accent and they're just having a nice chit chat and you know they they're done with their meal and they wish her a good evening and you see this guy staring at her in the background and you're thinking oh suspicion suspicion but no he's got a really complex language he wants her to learn and oh it is on <laughs> so, and hoshi has a great time uh, learning from this man, uh, I think his name, what, what was his name? I have it written down. I think it was, I don't remember how it's pronounced, Ravis, I think. And uh, he, he actually turns out to be on the level. He's just a guy who is fascinated by her as she is by him. And Hoshi is the only person that has a good time on Riza out of that story. I, I can't believe I didn't, didn't think, nobody ever has a good time on Riza. So. No one. No one. <laughs> well, I think... Card had an okay time on Ryza. Right? Did he really? Yeah, I mean, he he met what's her name? Isn't that what he met? It, but was that a good time? I think if you asked him later, he'd say yes. I think yeah. he'd say it was worth it. Uh, I didn't ask if it was worth it. I asked if it was a good time. Uh, it's uh, not what he came there to do. No, but but look, he didn't want to be there. Period, because he'd rather work. So yeah. I think yes, it would be it would be considered a good time for him. I mean, Worf tried to take over the world with thunderstorms, so. That's not a good time. <laughs> but yeah, fair. Point being is she's the only one who had a completely unobstructed good time on Ryza. Everyone yeah. else. Yet they keep flocking there by the billions. So mm. it's it's like if I went to Disney World and every time I went there I broke my arm. I just kept going. Wouldn't make yep. any sense. Well, uh, the funny thing is, I maybe it was Hoshi that did that. Hoshi just told the story of what a great time she had on Risa. And, and that's it. Everyone's been like going since. Because no one else would talk about what happened to them on Risa. And so she, hers was the only story. <laughs> Nobody wanted to admit how bad it was. <laughs> well, it seems like a she beautiful all this planet. money and it was terrible. <laughs> oh... And this is pre-Federation, so they're not even part of the Federation Arisa yet. No, they're they're just uh, they're just they're. a fun planet. Yeah, they're just they're Cancun. Yeah, it's a planet Cancun. Yeah, so. pretty much uh, weather controlled though, so that's nice. No hurricanes or anything like that. Yeah, that helps. That's, yeah, unless unless Warf unless shows unless Warf, yeah, then, then that whoo, that's totally storms everywhere. Totally expected. Then all of a sudden know. it turns into Jupiter. So, yeah, <laughs> five hundred year, five hundred mile across storm rolls in. Wait a second, what program is this? Uh... But okay, so I think those were actually nine really good moments of hers. I'm sure our listeners can come up with more, but they can come up with better details of her what they liked about them. But we had one that crossed over, and then four each separate. So. I think that's a pretty good list of 
individual moments of Hoshi that, that tell a good story of Hoshi. Yeah, they do tell a good story. And uh, I like that the final one was of mine was toward the end of the season. So you're like, yeah, Hoshi ends on a high note. Yes. You know, so that's why I like, speak. you know, Voxola is episode 21 of 26 that season. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, or was it 22? Whatever. I get confused because Amazon lists Broken Bow as one episode. I know. So every episode after that is off by one. Yeah. I never remember which which number I'm referencing, but it's somewhere in that range. So, But I like it because that's towards the end of the season, and you have her really stepping up and defending herself, and you think this is going to carry into season two and so on. And it also breaks the golden rule everyone says never gets broken that, you know, they disagree with each other. Well, I think that there's nothing wrong with disagreement. It's how you handle it that is... No, I don't. I don't think there's yeah. anything wrong either. I, just everyone always talks about how that was Rottenberry's rule, and you can never disagree. But it always happens after TNG. Yeah, happened on TNG, just not as much. Mm. But yeah, and two days, two nights was episode twenty-five of twenty-six. So right, so you're right there, right there at the end, and uh, yeah, an otherwise not pleasant episode for me, but for the Hoshi moments. <laughs> so. True. Yeah, because basically when Tucker and, and Reed are start hitting on women in a bar, I'm just like, ah, oh, well, this is going to end with them in their underpants <laughs> and not in the way that they hope. Yeah, right, right. No, not in a good way. Not in a good never way. in a good way. Mm-mm. Not when people are watching. No. So season one, a lot of people don't give it a lot of merit i think and i actually think upon rewatching that it is a better season than a lot of people give it credit for i know that it's not the best season of enterprise but i've seen far worse season one of many a series absolutely i mean look people attack that season you know season one of of enterprise as if it's the worst television to ever air and it's ridiculous Uh, in my opinion that's just ridiculous to think if you didn't like it Okay, I'm sorry, but it, it's definitely not the most horrible television ever. See, there are people who would tell you the same thing about Enterprise, uh, Next Generation, season one, that it was the worst thing they've ever seen. But it can't be the worst thing that I've ever seen because at least it gave me Q, you know? So mm-hmm. there's things in all of these seasons that you can find and you can grab onto and you can hold onto and you can like or not. But, you know, the, the fights always are the same. It's season three and four were good, season one and two were terrible, and that's it. Yeah, and I disagree. There is merit in every single season, and there's merit for pretty much every character. And I, when I first started this project, at your suggestion, this was your idea. Uh, well, you said pick a character, and I did pick Hoshi. Yeah, but the uh, whole yeah the, the whole concept of the show was mine. But yeah, totally, totally yours. Uh, I thought, oh my gosh, season one. How am I going to find five moments of Hoshi that I like in season one? And it actually was not difficult at all. No, I think it's going to get harder every yeah. season. It might bottom out in three, and then come back up a little in four. Mm-hmm. but it definitely there's less of her in two and less of her in three. This is true. And well, there's definitely less of her in four than one, but maybe not necessarily of three. Yeah. Well, they, they put all of her interesting moments in the last few episodes of season three. Right. So, yeah, I, uh, 
she, I, my heart broke for her when Archer's like, you got to go with me onto this ship. You're the only one who can do this. And she's just like, I, I can't do this. She, she's been through torture. She's literally been through torture. And for someone who started off with, I don't even want to go to space. Yeah. You know, but you know, and about, about that with the whole season one, people not liking it. Look, I understand what the writers were doing. The writers were showing, were trying, they knew where they were going with this. They knew they were getting to that Zindi attack at the end of season two. That, that was planned way ahead of time. That wasn't an accident. And since this was going to be the beginning, they wanted to show you this very optimistic, we can travel the galaxy and gallop everywhere and do everything and it's going to be awesome feel before they dropped you into that. So I get it. I get how this season turned out the way it turned out. Yeah. And I do too. And honestly, it had been, before I did my rewatch last year, it had been since Enterprise was first run that I had watched it and I just, I was going to rewatch something else and I just thought, no, 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 I haven't rewatched Enterprise. I'm going to do that. And I had this idea in my head that it was, oh, well, this is the season of Hoshi is a superhero and always saving their butts. And that does happen from time to time, but it wasn't every episode. You know, I, that was just out of context in my brain. And as I watched it this time, with a different attitude and some age and experience behind me, I came away with a completely different viewpoint of Hoshi, which is not to say I didn't like her the first time around, but I just thought, oh, well, that's just too easy. You know, that's just too easy. Oh, Hoshi can solve this because of this. And it got, it's, it, it wasn't that simple at all. No. And I think she suffers from that belief. I think she does. I think her character suffers from that belief because I think people feel feel that way. And then when they watch it again, either A, it doesn't live up, she's not as magical, or they don't even give it a chance to not be magical. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. they either believe, hey, she's magical, so this, is, this isn't this is worth watching and skip it. Or when it does happen and she's not just snap of the finger, fix everything, it's like, well, wait a second. I thought she was all powerful. <laughs> like she's like the Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah, and the thing is, is that it's really a balance between the two, you know, and I, that's, that's what I came away with after rewatching season one and revisiting season one again to find these five moments that I picked out. I'm just like, oh, Hoshi, I love you. I love you. She is a great character, but. Just not given her due, I feel. No, and I, and I think she is in season one, but I think it very quickly drops off and a lot of people don't like the season. So it's kind of lost. Which is a, is a little bit upsetting, but, you know, maybe they felt that, maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe they felt that they gave her too much up front, and that's why they weaned her back in seasons two and three, and then started to ramp her back up in four, and then got canceled before they could get to five. Yeah. That part That's part of the problem, too, is we, know, we don't really know where they were going, because they didn't know they were being canceled in the beginning of four. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry. Uh, Still sad about the cancellation. Yeah, me too. Lots of people online talking about starting a movie because there have been some rumors of some people talking that they'd like to come back. But Well, Linda Park has recently had a baby, so I don't know that she would be ready for well, that. Well, apparently right there now. were rumors that Archer, you know, Archer, <laughs> that, um, Bacula. there you go, that guy, Bacula. Scott Bacula said he wanted to, he, he would be willing to come back. But you know what? There was also rumors that Patrick Stewart wants to come back and do another movie, like, for the last eight years. So, it's one of those, I'll believe the rumors when I see them. 
I, you know, I don't see a movie for Enterprise coming out. It would have been cool if they had done one, but they would have had to do it a long time ago for it to mm. really hold any water and be any good. I mean, does he come back and do a Kelvinverse movie? Maybe, I guess. That would work better. But, you know, it's not it's not my Archer then. It's it's the new Archer. And that's not to say that I wouldn't watch it and like it. I, I want to see this story finished, though. I don't want to see a new story. Yeah. Although... I- Kelvinverse them would be before the breaking, so it would be them, right? I was just going to bring that up. So, but yeah, but it, I don't know. It's just the whole, the, yeah, fine. <laughs> the, the, the storytelling motif would be so different, it would be hard to see it is the same crew. What makes Kelvin timeline work for me so well is that it is a different timeline. Yeah, well... We already had a discussion about this in private, and I'm not going <laughs> to... But even, but even before that, if you get... I mean, just the simple fact that at some point it broke off from somewhere and it's no longer Prime Universe is why it works. Yeah, of course that's why it works. And that's, and that's great. I am not saying that that is a bad thing, because it has brought new people into Star Trek that wouldn't otherwise oh, have yeah. come into the fold. Absolutely, my wife. Yeah, so I, I have nothing against... Uh, people liking the new Star Trek movies. Uh, I am not a fan, except of Beyond. Beyond was the only one that I enjoyed, and uh, and and that's okay. It's okay if I don't like the others, and it's okay if other people do. Um, there were just some really big inconsistencies in two that I just in Into Darkness I just can't reconcile. And we're gonna leave it there because I don't want to have this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I like I did like the first and third, but. Um... But ironically, so the reason I will accept two is because that's the one that brought my wife into the into Star Trek. Well, I will say it had and one. It did that for thing. a lot of people? Yeah, it, it had one redeeming thing for me, and that was for some reason, I I can't exactly pinpoint what it was particularly that happened, but uh, Zoe Saldana's Uhura in that movie finally won me over to Zoe Saldana, which was good because Guardians of the Galaxy was going to be coming out soon. Right. And I didn't want to hate one-fifth of the team. <laughs> no, I, I really, I, I like Surf through all of them. But my point, this is really about Enterprise, but my yeah. point is that even if we if we went back and they put in a movie where, or they were in the movie for the new Calvin timeline, I understand that it would still be part of the original timeline in mm-hmm. theory. In theory, we have, there's another theory out there, but in this theory, let's just say that it is the prime to Kelvin. It still will be told so differently that I don't think it would fit with the characters we see on the screen today. Mm. Or in 2001, 2, 3, and 4. So. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I can understand that. The only thing I could think of that they could possibly do is do something around the time of the founding of the Federation because Archer would be older and that would actually work out um, with all of the actors, really. They'd well, it could. It could because, yes, they would all be older. They wouldn't have to bring all of them back, you know, because they could finally tell us if Trip died or if he's in Section, section 31. 31. But they, so, but now you wouldn't really want him to be in Section 31 because he wouldn't be able to show up in the movie much. Well, but, he wouldn't uh, be able to show up in the movie if he was dead either. True. <laughs> We know we can go right before the death, couldn't we? Could we? Yeah, I guess we could. I we guess go we right could. Right before the death. Yeah. We could do that even if he goes to section thirty-one, I guess, too. So whatever. <laughs> section thirty-one. How do you creep keep creeping into these podcasts? I think it's a conspiracy. I actually ooh, look. I, I'll be honest. I actually enjoy section thirty-one. I'm one of the very few closet thirty-one fans. So. Oh, not anymore. 
Not in the closet anymore, buddy. No, no, I'm not. But like, everyone seems to have this massive hatred for Section 31, and it only makes sense that it exists to me. It, it doesn't make sense that it wouldn't exist. Like, just because we're supposed to be this great utopian doesn't mean we don't have ways of defending ourselves. Yeah. So, and that's one of the ways we defend ourselves. Now, if you started telling me that like they were running around the galaxy destroying worlds so that they had to become uh, part of the Federation, I, I'd have a problem with that. But it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility <laughs> so if you told it right i'd be okay with it. i just have a problem with it happening not that it not that you wrote it happening you know what i mean yeah well and i i agree with um gosh this is skipping out of enterprise a little bit again and uh dipping my toe into deep space nine and you know when section 31 starts uh talking to Bashir and such and you know he's basically saying of course we exist of course that there's going to be an organization like this because you can't do everything by the book and I'll be happy and smiling and holding hands all the time it doesn't work that way right absolutely and even if as a group you didn't do anything illegal or morally wrong you would need someone that was getting intel on the people who are doing things illegal and morally wrong. They don't just come to the, the good guys and go, oh, by the way, we're selling drugs over here. Oh, by the way, we're flipping this whole planet to uh, resistance fighters. Oh, by the way, like that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's uh, it's I've never hated Section 31. So we're both confessing right now. Section yes. thirty one, okay by us. Yes, I, I, I can I uh, support section thirty one actions. <laughs> Even if I don't know what they are. Oh the hate mail. Oh, is that gonna be the title of this one too? It's gonna confuse Back to back pew pews? No, we have pew one pews. in the middle. <laughs> we do. So pew pew two? <laughs> pew pew two. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So I think that sums up our final thoughts, though, right? Yeah. And uh, our final thoughts on everything Star Trek ever? Everything ever. Oh, wait, I didn't get anything in about Voyager or the original series or Discovery, so we're going to have to extend... No, 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 I'm just kidding. Section 31 covers Discovery. That's true. So, because we have Georgiou, so boom, that's done. Voyager, <laughs> Lost in Space. I mean, it could be a, they wanted a movie for that, too. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, the original series, most of those movies were terrible. Hey, I really well, love six. I said most, not all. <laughs> the the evens seem to be the best of the bunch, two, four, they, and six. Yes, they were. That's true. Which is, and I still love one, three, and no, I don't love five. I have never been able to find a way to enjoy that film. Even with David Warner in it. David Warner, back-to-back -back movies, human in this one, Klingon in the other one. <laughs> love me some David Warner. Anyway. And still didn't like the movie. But... All right, we got them all in there. Final Ooh. thoughts are covered for all of Star Trek ever. You can shut the network down now, Chris. Yeah, um, we're done. So thanks for joining us for this final episode of any Star Trek podcast ever. Oh, for this final episode of Trek FM? <laughs> no, we've we've done this for all Trek podcasts everywhere. That's they it. all have to stop. Oh, now. all of them. Even they the other networks. Stop. That's yep. it. Other It'll networks, you're done. <laughs> Giant space on servers starting right now. Yep. We just unplugged that one server and that's the end. Oh, we would never do that. But Section 31 could. It could. And who knows if we're part. <gasps> no one knows. No one. If I was part of Section 31, what I would do is joke about Section 31 a lot. 
Oh, totally. Me too. Because that would like throw people off the set. Right. Cause they'd never think oh, no one in section 31 would talk about it on a podcast. Yeah. Because it's like, it's not like fight club, you know, where the first rule of fight club is don't, don't talk, talk about, fight, about fight club. And, and despite the, the fact rule. that that was, you know, an imaginary person saying all of that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh, spoiler. <laughs> and I did it again. <laughs> Okay, well, talking about Ensign Hoshi Sato isn't the only thing we've been discussing on the Trek FM network. So take a quick listen to this clip and hear about what else you may have missed here on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. I thought it was really funny. Not funny. That's sort of weird. A, a, a good contrast that she was actually eaten by Klingons and then later the Emperor in the mirror universe is shown eating a kelpian i was just saying oh, I, either nice. side of either universe is the species are munching on each other oh dear <laughs> oh my gosh warp five so we would have cool firefights at this point we could bang pew pew stuff like that yes we can only yeah, do so much in a hallway stuff. dude <laughs> why i said you can only do so much in a hallway maybe i don't know like if you uh, maybe in the mess hall. There you go. Have you have you seen Star Trek? They're always hiding behind some like bulkhead that's just randomly placed in a hallway. <laughs> this is true. They're, they're yeah. all over the place. Earl Grey. So she's trying to balance this and she's playing along, but she gets to that point where it's like, and I, I love that scene as well. It's like, now is the time to listen to me. We've tried to do it your way. It hasn't worked. I, basically, I'm ordering you to do that, or I'll eject you into space. And we know how how Troy is. Like, she's the last person you'd think who would like exactly. eject someone into space, yes. or even threaten that, or even threaten that. But because she's gotten to this point and is in this perilous situation, I believe that she might actually do it. You know, melodic tricks. But the interesting thing about this episode's score, it was composed by. Fred Steiner, who did a lot of episodes for the original Star Trek, but this episode did not have a complete score. Uh, in fact, there's only about 10 minutes of music that were actually recorded for this episode, and the rest of it was library material. So we're going to focus today on the music that was recorded specifically for this episode, and some of the fun music that that entails. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcast. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And please leave a star rating and written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, the UT, in most third-party apps, and you can stream or download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We would love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are so many ways for you to do that very thing. So the best place, best place, the best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, of course, which is our listeners group on Facebook. Just go to the search field on the Facebook and type in Babel, B-A-B-E-L, and it'll probably be the very first option. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Warp 5. That'll come right to us, and you can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Him. So, Patrick, when you are pretending you're not in Section 31, where can people find you? 
Well, they can find me, Make It Fun at Section 31, on Twitter at MagicDrop5. That is uh, one word. The five is a digit, not, not letters, though. They can also find me popping my head up in the Babel Conference from time to time. And they can find me elsewhere on the network where I'm not part of Section 31 with Amy at <laughs> on the edge. So, Brandy, when you're not trying to decipher languages to mean mate or meal, where can people find you? It actually could work either way. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm going to make a meal out of my mate. Um, sorry. Praying mantis style. Uh, or, or Black Widow. Yes. Delicious. You can find me on Twitter, I think, at Brandywine12. Brandy is with an I. 12 is the number. You can find me popping up from time to time on the 602 Club. And also, uh, we, I do a podcast with my sweet husband, David, called the Dark Corner Podcast. And our most recent episode that, well, at the time of this release, came out about a week and a half ago, um, has uh, something that came out of a slip of the tongue I made in a recent <laughs> Warp 5. Or a few recent Warp 5s. A few recent Warp 5s. And uh, you can find that at darkcornerpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And you will find me sometimes uh, lurking around the Babel Conference like a shark just swimming under the water. Uh, but recently we have been moving uh, office at my work, and so I haven't had time to dilly-dally at all. And uh, so I haven't been on very much. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So so for anyone who hasn't checked out uh, Brandy's uh, podcast with her husband, I, I definitely recommend it. But unlike me, listen to all the other episodes where she said it's not safe for children and realize that means not safe for work. <laughs> uh, blasting that in the CEO's office while I was doing his electric was probably not the best idea. Really not. No. But I do highly recommend it. And he might even be a listener now, too. But he wouldn't admit that to the worker. So. <laughs> well, thank you, CEO. I hope you are listening. So, anywho, if you'd like to help us keep all those shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron on the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more. Available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. Plus all the universal translators we have to send out to all these other worlds. So many. We'd really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the de all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. And at this time, we would like to thank our wonderful associate producers of Warp 5, who are as follows. Norman C. Lau, Floyd Dorsey, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, Justin Ozer, Mark Flessa, and Chris Trebuzio. We appreciate your support of the network and also specifically your support of Warp 5. You are our heroes. You are our universal translators. So I guess that's all that we have for you this week on Warp 5. I hope you've enjoyed our Hoshi moments. And we'll be back next week with something. I'm not even 100% sure what we're doing. Ooh, it'll be a surprise. Yes. And hopefully this time I'll come up with an idea and not screw it up. <laughs> you only partially screwed it up. Yeah, I think I, I recovered well. 
you did absolutely recover well. I'm very proud of you. I did way more work than I needed to, but yeah, I did. yeah. <laughs> I recovered but well. Think, think about it. We can we can do more Hoshi moments later on from season two, and we will three, season four. We totally will. We will. We're gonna do it. So thank you all very much for listening, and as always, keep calm and boom on. episode i think is horrible that she's in does she stand like a sassy teenager she does or an an electrical apprentice (laughs) so but had we been doing a a top five of all seasons that may have made number five maybe maybe